We're going to look in the book of James today. We did a couple of weeks ago the letter that James, the uh, leader of the first church in Jerusalem, the, uh, the brother of Jesus, um, wrote to Christians that were scattered around, um, around the world at that time. And, and there's, there's a passage of, of Scripture in James that, that um, may be familiar to you, but it may not. I'm, uh, but to me, it, it speaks about prayer in a really strong way, even though the passage itself is not directly about prayer. The passage itself is more about our relationship with God. But the more I thought about that and, and looked at it and the, and the main elements that it's trying to speak into our lives in this, in this passage is that you really can't separate prayer from your relationship with God. At least you shouldn't. I think we often do that. I think we often put our prayers out there and then don't connect that to how we actually are living in relationship to God. And uh, I think a prayer that, that lasts, uh, Paul talks about prayer without ceasing, and we kind of wonder what that is, but, but I think a prayer that goes beyond the moment, beyond that moment when we're verbally, or at least in our head, saying, oh God, please give me this, oh God, please do this, oh God, give me that, or, or, or saying, God, if you'll just... If you'll just do this one thing for me this one time, just, just this one thing, this one time, God, I'll be the best Christian ever. If you'll just, instead of us just saying words and, and prayers like that, what about something that lasts beyond just that moment of words? What about prayer that kind of continues for us? In this passage in James chapter 1, I think it, it talks about three elements of our relationship with God that directly relate to prayer. Prayer that will, will last and make a difference for us. I want you to look with me in James chapter 1. James chapter 1 beginning at verse 19. And uh, we'll go ahead and read the whole passage and then we'll come back through it. It says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at, a, at your face in a mirror. You, you see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The first of the key elements here in our relationship with God that directly affects how we pray and how effective our prayer is, is not what we say, but it's to listen. Listen, I, th I don't think usually when we think about praying that that's the first thing that comes to our mind. I think usually when we think about praying, we're thinking about what's the prayer request that I need to look at and I need to submit that to God, and, which we're supposed to do with Thanksgiving, the Word tells us. But the first thing we usually think about in praying is what are we going to say to God? What are we going to ask from God? But when you think about it, the, the reason that we 
think about prayer in terms of asking for stuff and saying stuff to God is that is because we have at least some small measure of faith that God is listening to us. Does that make sense? I mean, that, that may be the characteristic that we most appreciate or, or want from God is that He would listen to us. Now, a psalm, there's a psalm that, that talks about that. Psalm 34, I believe it is. Psalm 34 and verse 6 says, David said in a, in a really tough time in his life, David says, In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened, and he saved me from all my troubles. I prayed, and the Lord listened. I mean, if we're going to say a prayer, if we're going to put a request out there, it really matters to us that God hears us, doesn't it? And that we, that we would believe that, that, that we're not just... We're not just putting that out there to the universe in general. We're, we're putting it out there to a personal God who understands us and knows us and is listening to what we say. And if our goal, which it's told to us numerous times in the Scripture in lots of different ways, if our goal is to live in God's image, Peter said, be holy as I am holy. Quoting the Old Testament, Paul said, imitate God. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow Jesus. If that's our goal, to, to be like God, then listening should be a characteristic of us in our relationship with God. He shouldn't be the only one that listens. In, uh, in John chapter, chapter 10, the words of Jesus, Jesus is describing what, what relationship with him should be like in, in John chapter 10. It's a beautiful passage. But, but in that, he, he says, he's, he's talking about himself, about God being the good shepherd. And he says in John chapter 10, verse 4, After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him. Because they don't know his voice. Now, how, how are you going to know the voice of God and follow that voice if you're not listening? If you haven't somehow gotten to the place where you're tuned in to his voice and what he's saying. That's why James says it's so important for all of us to be quick to listen quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, James kind of throws this, this anger thing in there on us all of a sudden, and, and uh, that may seem to be kind of a distraction from, from the relationship with God, or especially if we're thinking about it in terms of prayer. You know, behavioral scientists tell us that the quality of anger, human anger, primarily comes from frustration. And the frustration that produces anger is primarily because we do not get our own way. The main reason most of us get angry is because we're not getting what we want. James says that does not produce the kind of life the kind of 
righteousness that God wants in us and wants to have in our lives, see in our lives. Fred, Frederick Buechner says this about anger. He says, of the seven deadly sins, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. Listen to how he describes it. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast for a king. But then he says, the chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. Now, how did we, how, how, does, how do we get off of that? Talking about listening to God and all of that and, and, and talking to Him and hearing from Him. And all of a sudden, we're talking about anger. How did we get to get, get to that? James says that the Word of God helps us to see what happens when we fail to listen and learn from God. And when we fail to listen and learn from God, one of the things that often happens is that we get angry. We get angry because we're focused on something that didn't go our way, something that we wanted that we didn't get, somebody who's not doing what we want them to do, we get angry at God because somehow we're in circumstances. Doesn't matter how we got there. We're just angry that He let, him, let us get into that place. And, and through all of that, and somehow we're not listening and learning from God, which is the second crucial thing about our relationship with Him that factors into how we pray. And that's that not only do we listen, but we learn from listening to Him. Verse 21. Verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save souls. Do you, would you be able this morning to just recognize and, and understand and maybe even admit the interference the things that interfere with you hearing from God and hearing His voice. Do you recognize the interference? I'm, now, I'm not talking about past interference in the end zone. Well, the, the truth is, maybe, maybe I should because there's a good analogy there. You know why they call past interference in football? What happens? What's the interference with? The interference is preventing someone from receiving, from catching, from receiving. If you interfere with me playing football, if you push me in the back when the ball's in the air, you're interfering with my opportunity to catch or to receive the ball. Listening is receiving. So what's the stuff? What's the stuff that interferes, that prevents you from listening and learning from God? The stuff 
the stuff that you could control. Hey, I, I know, you could, we could bring up all kinds of distractions and barriers and problems that come from outside sources, but I'm talking about what, what's the stuff that you could control that interferes with you listening and learning from God? I mean, what are you choosing to watch, to read, or to listen to that is interference from you hearing God's voice? You are choosing it. Nobody's forcing you. Nobody is making you turn to that channel. Nobody is forcing you to click on that site. Nobody's forcing you to turn the volume up and listen. Nobody's forcing you to go to that concert, that movie. Nobody's forcing you to read that book. Nobody's forcing you to sit in on that conversation that's going on. What are you choosing to watch, read, or listen to that is interfering with your ability to hear and learn from the Lord? What, what are you choosing to listen to that's not in any way helping you to receive what God wants to say to you? James says, receive the word. Receive the word. Let it be planted into your heart. Let me ask you, Another question along this, along this line. Do you have a teachable spirit? Do you have a, a teachable spirit? Or do you somehow feel like, even though you wouldn't get it up and say it in front of everybody, you, you kind of got it all figured out. You kind of got it all figured out. The problem is, the problem is you just can't get God and other folks to see it your way. I mean, you've got the answers. You don't need to ask any questions. You've got the answers. You just need to talk God into it and then get Him to make all these other people get in line. You know what James says? The, the actual word that he uses there, my translation in the New Living says, so get rid of all the filth. The, actual, the Greek word actually says, strip yourself. Yes, he, it's the same word for strip off all your clothes. Sorry for that image right now. Like, whoa, Pastor Jeffrey, didn't, don't, we don't need that. He's saying do whatever it takes to get rid of everything, anything that would keep you from receiving what God wants to say to you, what he wants to pour into your life, what he wants to do in your life. Isn't that, don't, don't you think that that's what we should be praying for the most? I don't know, if, if, if all of us, you know, we submit a lot, of, we submit prayer requests each week on our prayer cards, and it's good. We should be praying for each other, interceding for one another. We should pray for the sick. We should pray for people that have lost jobs. We should pray for for each other as, as you know, parents, as, as children, we should, there's, that we should pray for the church to accomplish certain things. There's lots of things we, yeah, we ought, to, we ought to pray about. But do you think that maybe the thing that we ought to pray for the most, instead of just that asking God to give us stuff, 
But the thing that we would pray for the most is for Him to do what He wants to do in our lives. E. Stanley Jones, great missionary to India in the last century, previous century, and, and a great writer of daily devotional type stuff that I've read since I was in college. He said this. He said, when you pray, decide whether the thing you want is a Christian thing. And by Christian, he means Christ-like. God has shown us in Christ what the divine character is like. God is Christ-like. He can only act in a Christ-like way. And he cannot answer a prayer that would not fit in with his character. Do you ever find yourself trying to talk God in to blessing or giving or doing something that you know if you read his word and if you listen to his voice is not in line with who he is? And that's why it's so crucial that we listen and we learn. And then James says, that's, that's the first two steps, but they're no good unless you do the third. Look at verses uh, 22 and following with me. Let's hear that again. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For you listen to the word and don't obey. It is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully in the perfect law that God has for you, the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you. Obey. Listen and learn and obey. If you don't, it's like you looked in the mirror and you walk away and you cannot remember what you've seen. They locked away Andres Tomas for 53 years in a uh, Soviet Union prison. Really, uh, a psychiatric hospital slash prison. He'd been drafted into the Soviet Army but the, the authorities had mistaken his native Hungarian language and thick accent for the gibberish of a madman. And they had him committed and put in this psychiatric prison. And then they forgot about him, basically, for 53 years. Eventually, a psychiatrist at the hospital began to realize what had happened. And he began to he began to treat Andres Thomas and helped him to recover his memory from before that, who he was and where he came from. And eventually, they released him and sent him back to Budapest, Hungary, in some ways as a war hero, kind of the last prisoner of World War II. You see, not only had Andres forgotten what his real name was, he hadn't even seen his own face in five decades. Fifty years he had not seen himself. So according to one news account, 
They said, they said this, for hours after, after being released, for hours the old man studies his face in the mirror. His deep-set eyes, the gray stubble on his chin, the furrows in his brow. It's just his face, but it's a startling revelation. Now, sometimes we look at our face in the mirror and we'd like to forget it. But in all reality, can you really imagine that? Can you imagine looking at your own face in a mirror and not recognizing it? James says that's just what people are doing when they listen to God's word and then do not obey it. When you hear God's voice and then don't do what he said to do. think what we often fail to recognize is what James reminds us of here that if you look carefully into the law of God and by the perfect law that sets you free James is referring to the law that's summed down into what Jesus said in terms of this love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself that's the law he's talking about and everything that God's going Going, is going to do and going to say in our lives is going to be in harmony with that. And when God speaks to us and, and tells us what direction we should go, what we should do, and we do it, James says, you will be blessed if you do that. And not only that, he says, it will set you free. Obedience to God leads to freedom. So often, somehow, we misconceived and, 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 and are deceived and we think, well, if I do what God wants me to do, I'm going to have to do, I'm, if I, I have to do what God wants, instead of if I do what God wants me to do, he'll set me free. Paul talked about it in, in Romans. In Romans chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, Paul said this, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, he said, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching that we have given you. Have you got a teachable spirit? Are you willing to get rid of the interference that would keep you from hearing what God is saying to you? And then are you willing to act on and follow through by the grace and help of God to do what His Word says, to do what His Holy Spirit speaks into your life when you take the time to listen in prayer? I definitely believe in blessing. I pretty much every, every night and sometimes more than once, I walk by my granddaughter's bedroom and I push the door open and I walk over her crib and I just extend my hand out without touching her to wake her up because that's a bad thing. <laughs> and I just say, God, bless this little girl. Bless her. I don't even know exactly what all that blessing is going to mean for her. 
But I know this. I want what God wants for little Ava. And I want his presence in her life. Now listen, sometimes we say, God bless this person, that person. God bless me. God bless us, everyone. God bless the USA. What are we asking for, really? Are we saying, God, do what I want you to do? Or are we actually doing the biblical thing and saying, God, whatever you want is what I want for my family, for my friends, for my church, for myself. And James promises us that the blessing is found when we hear and then do what God says. Yep. If, if prayer really, like we saw dramatized earlier, if prayer is really a conversation between us and God, what, what happens in a real conversation? In a real conversation, you take turns doing what? Talking and... Yeah, it's okay to respond verbally. You take turns talking and... Okay. We talk, we listen, we respond. A conversation, not with some distant, unknown God, but with the God who's come to us, made himself fully known to us in Jesus Christ, who sent his Holy Spirit to not only be with us, but within us. So that maybe prayer can just become a familiar conversation. We talk, we listen. Or maybe we should start sometimes. We listen, then we talk. We respond. You bow your heads with me. Maybe it would do all of us good if we could just sit here quietly for a moment. And just maybe, maybe God is speaking to us today. We just need to sit still and listen.
This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me, and I, I'm desperate for you, and I. Father, I pray today that uh, by your Holy Spirit, we would hear your voice clearly today. And in the days going forward, and, and Lord, I, I, I pray that when we think about praying, we would remember to listen. And part of our conversation with you is stopping and being quiet and listening to what you want to say to us. And a lot of what you intend to say to us is in your conversation with us is that when we spend time every day reading your word and listening to what you're speaking to us through that. Lord, help us to be reminded that every time that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit, it's never going to be contradictory with the word that you've given us in Scripture. It's never going to be something that would call us or give us permission to do something that doesn't honor you and is not Christ-like. And Lord, help us to become people of action and obedience. That we just don't talk about Christian stuff and Bible stuff, and, but we actually listen to what the Word of God says and what the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and we act on it. We do it by your help and by the grace of God. Help us to want that more than anything else until it just becomes part of the air we breathe. We pray this in Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.